Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapters 43 and 47, beginning to read at chapter 43, verse 1, which can be found on page 843 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In Ezekiel's final vision, we read firstly of the glory of the Lord returning to the new temple and of the life-changing presence of God flowing as water from the temple to the Dead Sea. Then he brought me to the gate, the gate facing east, and there the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east. The sound was like the sound of mighty waters, and the earth shone with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision that I'd seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the vision that I'd seen by the river Kibar, and I fell upon my face. As the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now turning to chapter 47, verse 1. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me round on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east, and the water was coming out on the south side. Going on eastwards with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. Again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arabah. And when he enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that sw swarms there will there be made very many fish. And once these waters reach there, they will become fresh and everything will live where the river goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea from Engedi to Engame, and it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of a great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. 
On the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the, wa- because the water of them flows from the sanctuary. Their food, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you. The gospel reading is taken from John 7, starting at verse 37, and it can be found on page 7 uh, in the New Testament section of the Bible. In this reading, Jesus speaks of the promise of the Holy Spirit flowing out of his believers' hearts like rivers of living water. On the last day of the festival, the great day, when Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Thank you. Please do be seated and let us pray together. So Lord, for one final time in this book of Ezekiel, as he prayed, would you anoint my lips by your Spirit? that my mouth would speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding, that your spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favourite films from the 1980s is the film Working Girl. On this Oscar Sunday, the film has an iconic theme tune which won Carly Simon one of those sought-after awards. It was called Let the River Run. And so I want to speak this morning about how you let the river run in your life, of how you can experience, as Ezekiel did, God's glory, his presence, as Jesus said, flowing as rivers of living water from your heart bringing life and blessing to others. So let's begin with three words, if you like, three words which occur repeatedly throughout those two readings from Ezekiel's final vision we heard read this morning. Those three words are glory, temple, and water. If we're unfamiliar for any of us who might be playing catch-up with the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was this prophet and this priest who received from God over a 20-year period a series, as we've seen, of spectacular visions and prophetic oracles of judgment and hope for the Israelites before, during, and after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. And this book is one of, we know as one of the four major prophets. And in this final week in this series, we encounter, if you like, the longest and last of Ezekiel's visions of the future. It's a very 
long vision. We would be here till this afternoon if we read it all in part. It runs from the beginning of chapter 40 all the way through to the end of the book. And so we're just looking, if you like, at two parts of this vision this morning from chapter 43 and chapter 47. And those repeated three words of glory, temple, and water. First, glory. You see, we see someone's glory, don't we, when that which is most wonderful of them is displayed. You see, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kavod. It means weight or substance. In the presence of God, in the context of God, it means his very presence. We could say his gravitas, the physical manifestation of God's presence. The sheer majesty of it all that just evokes this response of awe to the observer. Did you notice in verse 3 of chapter 43 what happened as Ezekiel talks about experiencing God's glory before by the river in Babylon? And then and here and elsewhere, each time Ezekiel encounters the glory of God, if you like, his legs just give way and he falls face down on the carpet. You see, going back in the Israelites' history, it was Moses, perhaps, who we know best, don't we, for, as the man who experienced God's glory. You know, when he was given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, the thick weight of the fiery cloud of God's presence fell upon the mountain. Later, we'd see how the Israelites, if you like, would be guided on their journey to the Promised Land by the cloud of the pillar. The pillar of cloud by day and the fiery cloud by night. In fact, so precious was this cloud, this presence of God, that the Israelites wouldn't move if the cloud didn't move. Of course, you could understand if it was Moses who perhaps experienced God's glory the most, you could understand if he was quite tempted one time to see God's glory face to face because he only saw it in a cloud and that was a definite no-no wasn't it you know God if you like says well you can take a peek at my back and from that moment on whenever if you like Moses went to encounter the presence of God he would come back as the ready Brecon boy remember from the 70s I wasn't born then, but I'm sure you were and you can remember it. You know, so bright was his face, we read, that the Israelites asked him to put on a veil. That light of God's glory was known as the Shekinah. You see, when God's glory, his presence falls, it's a holy moment, isn't it? It can happen in his house but it can also happen outside. I remember one Thursday afternoon in May time, about four years ago, just being in the car park up there talking to a very uptight bride, less than 48 hours before her wedding. And so I offered to pray, if you like, for the river to run in her life. If you like, for the presence of God to fall on her. And in that moment, something powerful happened. You see, I felt it and she felt it because she went and told people about it afterwards. 
as the Holy Spirit impacted her life and touched her. And those worries that she had just dissipated. Later in the Israelites' history, if you like, after King Solomon had built that first temple, the one that would be destroyed in Ezekiel's lifetime, we read once again, once it was complete, the glory of the Lord came down as a cloud and filled the temple. The second word. The first word, glory. The second word we hear repeatedly is temple. You know, often we, we don't perhaps grasp the significance of the temple to Old Testament and, and Jewish life. If you like, it just dominated the ancient city of Jerusalem. To get a grasp of it, I've given you that handout this morning, basically, and you can see all the references and you can see what the temple would have looked like. You know, it was as long as two and a half football pitches and as wide as four, and a, as four of them. And that was 3,000 years ago. You know, it was seen, wasn't it, as God's house, his residence. The UK Prime Minister lives in 10 Downing Street and the President lives in the White House. God dwelt in his temple. It was this place, if you like, where heaven met earth. A special place that the psalmist just repeatedly recorded as we began this service with, Oh Lord, I love the house in which you dwell, the place where your glory abides. Or elsewhere, a different psalmist would say, one thing I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his holy temple. Or this one, how lovely, you might know this, you might have sung these words, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, my soul Longs indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your prayers. And if you like in Ezekiel's second vision, what he described was, if you remember from week two, he described how he saw literally the glory of God leave the temple by the east gate. Literally, God moved out of his house that culminated in the eventual fall of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And now, in this final vision, Ezekiel sees, if you like, the great reversal. He gets this front row seat and describes the return of the king, of God coming in all of his glory. If you like, on that same throne chariot that we saw in week one and week two, returning in the same way. And once more, if you like, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's the significance of the red arrow on your plan. Glory. Temple. And then at the beginning of chapter 47, it's from the temple that we encounter the third word. Water. You see here, Ezekiel, if you like, he's once more taken on a journey. If you remember in week two, he was taken on a journey around the temple by a tour guide. Now he has another tour guide. Whether he was the same tour guide or not, who knows? But he's taken on this tour guide once more. This time his tour takes him out from the temple, following what begins as just this trickle of water. 
And he follows this water as it goes across the city and across the country. And as we follow his journey, notice that it's the temple, that it's the source of the water. You see it by that, that I've tried to show it by that blue arrow in terms of what's going on here. Now notice what happens to the water as Ezekiel is, if you like, taken by his tour guide on the journey. It starts as a trickle from the temple. Quite literally, that word means if you had a bottle of water and you poured out a bottle of water, that's what it means. That was how it started, almost as nothing. And then a thousand cubits later, or don't you just love the Israelite measurements, that's about 450 meters later, the water's ankle deep. 450 meters later and it's knee deep. 450 meters later and it's waist high. 450 meters after that we read the water is deep enough to swim in. And notice the effect that the water has on the land. Wherever the river runs, the water creates life. By the river's banks, trees grow. Now notice the abundancy and the vibrancy to the life created by where the river runs. By the river banks, not other just trees, but a great many trees. All different kinds whose leaves will not wither and whose fruit will not fail. Every month is a harvest, fresh fruit. You see, wherever the river runs, it creates life and everything will live where the river runs. Even the lowest and deadest place on earth, the Dead Sea and its stagnant waters, cannot stop the life-giving nature of the river to such an extent that, that the Ezekiel sees in his vision that fishing in the Dead Sea will be the same experience as fishing in the Mediterranean. You see, it's this beautiful picture, isn't it? Wherever the river runs, a blessing of healing, of restoration and renewal, wherever the river runs, which never runs dry, all this because the river flows from that trickle of water from the temple. So now let me ask, what does the water the river represent. And hopefully we've grasped it's the life-changing presence of God, which can be defined through those three words, glory, temple, and water. You see, do we now begin maybe to grasp the significance of letting the river run for our lives? You see, we were, we were discussing a different passage last week in one of our Tuesday Bible studies and, and someone asked the question how they often can't necessarily see the significance between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, let's try and put it together this morning. You see, it, in the Gospels, it's Jesus who's described as the epitome, the perfect example of God's glory. You know John's majestic prose that we say at Christmas and the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son. It's Jesus. 
in the Gospels is described as the temple. To quote Jesus again, when Jesus was in the temple on the Sunday we know as Palm Sunday, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. In the Gospels, it's Jesus who's described as the living water. To the woman at the well, Jesus said, those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. It will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, it's the church, you and me, We're the ones who are called to glorify God in our bodies. We're described, if you like, with our bodies as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the living God. We're the ones, as Jesus said at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's through the promise of the Holy Spirit. We let the river run. We receive and give out the living water of Christ the life-giving presence of today. You see, this is how Ezekiel's final vision of letting the river run becomes real for you and me today. Of course, if we want to continue the narrative, we know that whatever we experience now is a mere foretaste of the new creation at the end of time, where we find those three words of glory, temple, and water are reunited in new ways in the garden city of the new Jerusalem. So will we let the river run? You see, here's how we, one way we could do this, just thinking about that gospel reading from the Feast of Tabernacles, using Jesus as our guide. See, Jesus just said, firstly, come, didn't he? He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. You see, just as God was the source of the water flowing from the temple in Ezekiel's vision, it's Jesus from whom this river runs today. And Jesus then said, secondly, believe. Let the one who believes in me drink. You see, when we come to drink, if you like, we're saying we believe. We believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. Which incidentally Jesus described as the highest moment of his glory. When that which is most wonderful of him is displayed for all to see as the temple of his body is crushed. He says come. He says believe and then he says thirdly receive. You see by believing we then receive and drink the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our lives today. And we just are told to come repeatedly, every day, and let the river run. Let his healing and his blessing bring presence to those we know, into our neighborhoods and our families, our networks and our jobs. And watch the trees grow. Many different kinds and watch the leaves flourish and not wither. And watch that harvest being produced every month. You see, let me just close with another story of how this works. 
a couple of weeks ago, last Wednesday, I went to see Caroline Cutts, who would normally go to the 10 o'clock congregation. For those who don't know, we pray for her often. She suffers from a very aggressive form of lupus that increasingly now leaves her bedbound. And as I went to see her that day, we prayed together, if you like. We could say that when I was praying, I was praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon her fresh, to let the river run once more in her life. And in the moments that followed, something special happened, deep and profound. If you like, like this morning, it was an overcast day. There was kind of like, you know, that misly rain in the air. And then as we were praying, the light of the sun burst through the clouds. And at that moment, I was, I was prompted to, to open my eyes. I don't know why I did, but I could sense not only God's presence there, I could see it. And I saw this light of God that just streamed through the window onto her face. So much so, I could imagine it almost a bit like how Moses came back as the ready bread man. And you could not just feel God's presence, you could see it as he just radiated and ministered to her. Will we let the river run in our lives? Shall we pray? Jesus said, come, believe, receive. Three simple words. Come, believe, receive. So Holy Spirit, as you are with us this morning, whether in this room or in our homes, we just pray, come. And as your believers, we just receive from you now. And may what we have been given, may we use it to bless others, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.